0: Uh, we'll hear argument next to number 92-90-59, uh, Jonathan Dale Simmons versus South Carolina. Mr. Brock, you may proceed.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. The issue in this capital case is whether the prosecution can secure a death sentence on the grounds of the defendant's future dangerousness while at the same time concealing from the sentencing jury a crucial aspect of its non capital sentencing alternative, namely that life imprisonment means life without parole. Future dangerousness was the primary reason advanced by the state in this case why the jury should sentence Jonathan Simmons to death. The defense acknowledged that the petitioner, by reason of his serious mental illness, was in fact dangerous or would be in fact dangerous were he released back into society. However, the defense showed by uh, expert and lay testimony a a likelihood that the petitioner would make a nonviolent and cooperative prison inmate. Now, the jury itself identified the crucial piece of missing information in this presentation. After 90 minutes of deliberation on the issue of penalty, the, the jury returned to the courtroom and asked the following question, does the imposition of a life sentence carry with it the possibility of parole? And the trial judge responded by telling them three things. You are instructed not to consider parole. That is not a proper issue for your consideration, and life imprisonment and death sentence are to be understood in their plain and ordinary meaning. The issue in this case arises because of the fact that under South Carolina law, the correct answer to the jury's question was no. Because Jonathan Simmons had had prior convictions for a violent offense under South Carolina law, Life meant exactly that, life without the possibility of parole. That was what the jury wanted to know, and that is what the petitioner urged they be told. The state, uh, from the very beginning of the trial, successfully impressed upon the trial judge not to tell the jury. It was obvious how critical this information was going to be, and the, it was obvious what an advantage the state would receive if. If alone, among everybody in the courtroom,
0: the jury alone would be the only ones not to know. Well, (laughs) Mr. Bruck, are you arguing that uh, a state has an obligation to provide a truthful answer to any question that a jury may ask? No, not at all. But here, where
1: there is absolutely no justifiable, there is no rational state interest in refusing to give uh, the information that the jury asked for, and where the information on the facts of this particular case was so crucial to a reliable and fair determination of the
0: sentence. Can a state say that we're not going to answer jury questions that involve collateral matters that are just going to distract the jury?
1: Certainly. Uh, However what the alternative to death is in a case where the state is basically saying, not basically, where the state is literally arguing to the jury, this is a matter of self-defense. That was Mr. Harputlian's jury argument. The question before you is what to do with someone who is a threat. He told the jury, um, you... Um, the issue is not what made him this way. There was all this evidence of very, very extreme abuse and sexual abuse and violence in this man's childhood. The state's response was, the question before you is what to do with him now that he is in our midst.
0: Do, do juries or judges in South Carolina impose sentences in non-capital cases? No, they do not. Well, I mean, I, well, one must. I, I ask, do, uh, do, oh, juries oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, uh, there is no jury uh, sentencing except
1: in one or two um no, theres I believe none whatsoever. Now. So
0: supposing that in a non-capital case, a jury comes in with a question after some deliberation, and they want to know what the sentence is for this offense, if they find the person guilty. Is a state obligated to furnish that information?
1: Not by any means, and the reason for that is that the jury's task at the, at, in the hypothetical you... to me is to determine guilt or innocence without regard uh, to what is going to happen but in this case in capital sentencing the jury's task is to sentence and of course the state cannot derive any comfort from the principle that sentencing issues shouldn't interfere with guilt in a proceeding which is a sentencing hearing
2: What, what your position really boils down to is not as i understand it a position about information or a position about alternatives it boils down to the position that the jury should know the meaning of the terms, the meaning which the law gives to the terms that the jury is required to use in pronouncing the sentence. Is, is that the nub?
1: Yes. Uh, and most particularly, uh, our Gardner claim, our due process claim, is that even if the Eighth Amendment did not require an affirmative answer to that question, where the state puts the meaning of the non capital sentencing so clearly into issue, and we know it was an issue not only because of the evidence and, and the solicitor's, the prosecutor's argument, because, but because of the jury's question. There, surely, leaving all this Court's Eighth Amendment jurisprudence to one side for a moment, there, obviously, it just isn't fair. What
3: if the jury asks, surely, the, you know, how, how severe the, the alternative punishment is, is always an issue. Suppose the jury comes back and says, uh, do prisoners in uh, state prisons have television sets? Um, how big are the cells in, in state prisons?
1: I would submit that there is um, uh, one quite reach, uh, readily reaches a de minimis uh, uh, well, level. That where de the,
3: minimis. The, the, you know, or, uh, will, will this man be on a chain gang? Are, are there any chain gangs in the state anymore? Uh, um, Those are very relevant questions for a jury that wants to know how severely this person is going to be punished. If the capital sentence is not imposed, why are those questions irrelevant? I don't think they're irrelevant at all. I,
1: I don't think they have absolutely no relevance, but I think it is within the broad range of a state's ability, uh, under cases such as Johnson versus Texas, to channel and mold the jury's uh,
3: consideration. No, not this the question. The, the other ones can be excluded, but this one can't.
1: No, uh, that, that, that's correct. Because this issue not only goes to the retributive, um, although we think the retributive importance of this life without parole information is very significant. But it pales towards uh, beside the the incapacity. There's a
3: statutory amendment pending that would eliminate parole. Is, is, is the judge supposed to tell? How does he answer?
1: That would eliminate parole. There, there,
3: there is no uh, parole is unavailable. I'm sorry. That, that that would make parole available. Parole is unavailable now, but there is a uh, bill currently being debated. Can can he tell them that?
1: Um, I would think. Um,
3: I mean, is the think problem they, of, of answering them with respect to anything that? Uh, I don't think the Constitution obviously requires
1: that they be told. I think this is generally the, the whole range of well, can we tell them this and can we tell them that? That is found in the state's brief was answered ten years ago in California versus Ramos. Uh, the um, the court um, addresses the question: Is the information reliable?
2: Is it accurate? You, you keep answering these questions in terms of information. Why don't you answer the question in terms of meaning? They want to know whether life means life or means something else. And isn't, isn't that a far stronger argument than, than simply the argument that there are degrees of relevance of extraneous information? This isn't a question about extraneous information. It's a question about meaning, isn't it?
1: Well, I, I agree with that, but I suppose um, the... Uh, Justice Scalia's question could always be posed to, well, it means life without parole, but then it also means uh, that he will and won't have a TV set. I, I don't agree with that, and I think that's... It's life in
3: prison, but it isn't really prison.
1: Whatever. Uh, um, I, I think that stretches the concept of the meaning of a sentence beyond all ba- bounds, but I can, uh, I would be surprised if, if
2: my son Does doesn't it, but, make the argument But your wrong. point is the meaning of a word. yes. Yeah.
1: yes that's right and and um and the importance of, of, of clarifying what well, the meaning do you
4: argue simply that uh, you're entitled to the instruction if the jury asks no uh, is is not the foundation of your argument that the uh, defense counsel is entitled to make this argument to the jury if it chooses
1: absolutely and the trial judge at the prosecutor's uh, the, um urging um, refused to allow
4: precisely that
1: argument, and you can well, see what, how... So what? is
4: the premise of that, uh, of, of, of that position that the jury is entitled to hear from counsel or from the court uh, anything that is likely to be relevant to the jury's sentencing decision? Is, is that the working principle we have?
1: Well, it, turning to the Eighth Amendment, um, the... Um the Skipper locket aspect which this court need not reach, but if it were to reach that, I think the the language from justice powell 's opinion in, in McCluskey any relevant circumstance which could cause the jury um, to uh, to fail to to decline to impose the death penalty now
4: so if a, if a prosecutor wanted to put in a or pardon me, a defense counsel wanted to put in a videotape of what an execution looks like. Uh, he should be able to do that so the jury no. could see the consequences of what they're doing?
1: No, because I think given the fact that the method of execution is constrained by the Eighth Amendment and, and there is no uh, torturous or cruel form of execution permitted, I think it is within uh, Lockett does not remove the power of the state to say that that is not relevant and therefore it is not a relevant circumstance. But it is impossible to say that the fact that Jonathan Simmons will not allow again allowed to be allowed to be paroled and to roam the streets is
4: not a relevant circumstance. I suppose we're struggling for the definition of what's relevant. Yes. I mean, how are we going to do that in the confines of this case, other than make it parole-specific?
1: Well, of course, this case is about parole, uh, and the court need go no further than to say that when the state has a, has a dangerous, mentally ill defendant who it wishes to execute, it cannot urge the jury, it cannot create a false dilemma I think Beck is instructive, although not on point. In that, that leaves
4: us without an, a, a, a guiding principle.
1: The court has struggled with, with the meaning of relevant. In, in uh, Skipper, the state of South Carolina urged that it was not relevant, that the defendant would be a well-behaved prisoner because it went uh, in the future, uh, in prison because it went neither to his character and record nor to the circumstances of the offense. Uh, and the court responded that, that that future, likely future behavior, albeit only in prison, was relevant in the sense or was mitigating in the sense that um, it, uh, it might reasonably incline the jury to be less likely to vote for a sentence. Mr. Brooke, of death. may
5: I try uh, to ask what it is exactly you're, you're urging uh, that the defendant had a right to put in evidence about. Uh, what the parole system um, law meant in South Carolina?
1: No, we do not think that it was necessary. This was a matter of law, and and our claim is limited to those situations in which...
5: is it an argument that uh, the defendant's lawyer should have been allowed to argue it to the jury, or do you say that in every case the trial court should sue a sponte instruct on it? I don't know what it is you're really asking us to hold.
1: I'm, a- your, I'm, asking you, I'm asking you to, to hold that where parole is not an option, where state law is clear, as it is here, that the jury not have that information withheld from them. Our, our, the center of our case was a request that, that state law be instructed to the jury by the judge.
6: But and if you were allowed to tell the jury in your argument that life means life, I... Uh, You wouldn't have a constitutional objection, I take it. Your argument is the jury must be told, but does does it require the judge to tell them, or the judge wouldn't permit you to tell them either, right? That's correct.
1: The state moved and the judge so ruled.
6: Is there a constitutional distinction that requires the judge be the one to say it, or is is your point that the term life must be defined, you must be allowed to define it for the jury, whether counsel does it or the court does it, is not a constitutional distinction?
1: It is the latter, uh, so long as the defendant is able to have the jury informed, whether it be by his counsel or by the court. Now, of course, the jury might not take counsel's word for it and might very well, and even had argument been allowed, come back with this question, in which case we think that the judge should have uh, responded I, I
5: accurately. I that, that is because, that, because
4: parole is likely to be a, an essential or a material or a substantial factor in the jury's decision. Is that, is that the standard we're working with? We need a standard here. I know what you want so far as specific relief. I'm not sure of the underlying principle.
1: Yes, I think that the um, it's, it is difficult for me to lay down a rule, I think, that does not have some element of generality in it, to, to propose one. And I think, uh, I don't know that the court need... Establish or that it is possible to establish a bright line rule which will clearly cover every conceivable fact. Situation. Mr. Bruch,
7: isn't it part of your case? Now, I don't know if uh, there's, there's some evidence in the record, as I understand it, that without this instruction, the jury will be acting on a false premise.
1: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So your,
7: your, whatever your standard is, it's limited to situations, as I understand it, where in the absence of an instruction, the jury will be misled.
1: Yes, and misled,
7: as I understand it, about the law.
1: That's correct. About you you sometimes
7: speak in terms of fact,
2: but what you want them told is what a legal term means which they have got to use in sentencing.
1: That and some
2: jurors may think it means life subject to parole. Other jurors may think it means life without parole. And you want that legal definition given to them.
1: That is correct. So
2: why don't you just limit your principle here to saying... When there is a legitimate doubt about the meaning of a term which is used in instructing the jury and which the jury must in turn use in sentencing, that term must be defined. Why don't you go to that point and stop
1: that that is an entirely satisfactory way of framing the issue, and it does uh, it I, I must um, say that it does
3: simplify the issue of, of how yes, to, Mr. Pro- but but if it if it goes to the meaning of the word, I assume it would uh it would go to the meaning whether the answer is yes or no, right? And that would mean that prosecutors would, would, would be entitled to introduce in these cases uh, the fact that if you uh, give this uh, individual life, it really doesn't mean life. He'll be walking the streets in 20 years. Right? I, I read right Fair is fair, if, the, if it goes to the meaning fair. of the word, right. Fair uh, is fair. It, it, is, it, it is my unfair. impression... It is, I just want to be uh, I agree with
1: that if it's true. Yeah. If the prosecutor can produce South Carolina law to show right. Right. that, in fact, life doesn't really mean life, even though there's no parole, no. Ramos settled that a long time
3: ago. It's before. my impression that, uh, that some states exclude information about parole for the very purpose the juries will not distort the state parole system by discounting it in advance. So that knowing that a person's going to get uh, time off for good behavior or whatever, they up the sentence from what it otherwise would be in order to defeat the parole system. That's a perfectly rational thing for a state to do, it seems to me. And you're saying that that can't be done because... 35 years doesn't really mean 35 years if there's a parole system, or life does not really mean life if there's a parole system.
1: No, I don't say that can't be done at all. The crucial fact here is that there is no parole system for this defendant. Isn't
2: the crucial fact that the jury is sentencing here and the jury is normally not sentencing?
1: Well, that's true. And, of course, uh, the information, the, the legal definition that we think the jury should have had of its sentencing alternative is a legal definition known to the sentencer in 99.99999% of sentencing proceedings. what What
0: if the jury comes in with a question after deliberation and asks, in what prison would a life term be served?
1: Well, I do not view that as part of the legal definition of a sentencing alternative.
0: Well, then how how do you define the legal definition of a sentencing alternative?
1: Well, South Carolina law does not provide for uh, statutory law. The law defining the punishments uh, does not um, uh, deal with classification and institutional assignment. Now, I don't think that there is any... If the state wants to show uh, through evidence or however uh, that there are uh, huge security... There are, you know, there are some... um, uh, in other words, if a state wishes to show facts about the prison system that support its view of future dangerousness and show that the risk of the, from the defendant is greater than simply life without parole might suggest, I see under California versus Ramos the Constitution providing no bar.
0: Well, could a, state, could a state, could the prosecutor produce evidence that the place all these lifers are sent is really not a very well-built prison and it would be fairly easy to break out of?
1: If that information is accurate,
0: uh, I
1: think that, that that under the... I would I, be very surprised if, if a state Supreme Court would allow that sort of collateral trial, but I frankly uh, have to say I don't read the Eighth Amendment under your cases uh, as, as creating a bar, providing the touchstone is accuracy and reliability. Uh, and I think um, our, our claim does not does not engage all of these factual Isn't matters. Isn't it even
7: narrower than that, Mr. Brooke? The touchstone, you say, is reliability, but also your, part of your touchstone, is I understand your argument, is that in the absence of the instruction, the jury would be acting on a false premise. Okay. On the chief justice example, there presumably one state prison in each state, and presumably there's not much doubt about where the man's going to go, so you wouldn't need the instruction. That's correct. If they thought they were all going to spend the, their life in a country club somewhere, then perhaps it would be appropriate to clear up the misunderstanding. That's correct. And you're saying the jury
3: will send this man to his death if uh, if, he, if it knows uh, he's only otherwise going to be in prison for 25 years, whereas it might otherwise not?
1: might, and we submit in this yeah. case likely did.
6: Yes.
3: Yeah.
6: Because the jurors came in and asked the question.
1: Because of the way the case was presented, because of the facts of the case, because of the manifest dangerousness of this man's record and of his mental illness, because of the prosecutor's argument... Uh, because of the fact that the defense was was, uh, prevented from making this crucial argument that you can can protect society adequately, you can exercise the right of collective self-defense without um, putting him uh, uh, to death, and because, finally, lest there be the slightest doubt, the jury not only came back and asked the question, but when the judge gave a don't-think-about-that response, uh, where clearly the question called for a yes-or-no answer, uh, and telegraphed to the jury uh, that, um, uh, in effect, that yes, there is parole, but that's not—we don't talk about that here. The jury was back in 25 minutes with death. It was, thank you very much. That is what we needed to know. We are not going to take the risk uh, that this man will be back on the street in the very vivid way that the prosecutor um, uh, um, described in his in his uh, closing argument. But, talking, is,
6: but, but if we're talking about what does the term life mean? I take it you're saying you should be allowed or the judge should instruct to say that there is no parole in this case. On the other hand, the prosecutor could then say, but the governor has certain authority, they could let this person out, or that the law could change. Uh,
1: The the governor in South Carolina does not have that authority. If he did, Ramos is on point, I think, and would, would, under the Eighth Amendment, allow that instruction Change of law is a more difficult uh, uh, question, uh, but for the purposes of our, because of that, the, the idea that the law could change is sort of a universal solvent uh, in which the entire idea of guided discretion tends to disappear, leaving only the finality of death as the only guidepost. But even uh, I, for purposes of our um, argument today and for purposes of deciding this case, even the fact that if the judge were to instruct under current law or subject to further action by the legislature, I don't think that um, that in any way affects our submission today. The state didn't want to get a fair hearing on this or, 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 um, or spell out or, or clarify the definition uh, of the definition of life imprisonment. The state wanted to keep the jury in the dark, and the state was successful in doing exactly that. And I submit that that, uh, under the Due Process Clause on the facts of this case, under the reliability um, prong of this Court's um, line of this Court's Eighth Amendment cases, and we also submit under the locket skipper line of the right to present mitigating evidence and to have mitigating evidence given substantial and reasonable weight in the jury's deliberations uh, because the, the failure to define the life imprisonment punishment rendered almost meaningless the defendant's skipper evidence, his good behavior in prison evidence. What, uh, what difference would it make if he's only going to be in prison for five or ten years? We're concerned about what happens when he's paroled. And indeed, the fact that he's a good inmate might actually, to the jury, make it more likely that he'll be paroled sooner. And back on the streets. Uh, so, for all of those reasons, we submit that what happened here um, cannot be squared uh, with the Constitution of the United States. And uh, I would note too that this is, uh, in terms of what goes on around the country, a very narrow issue because of, of the states uh, which, which, which have parole. Uh, precious few of them uh, try to put a, this sort of a thumb on the scales for death. They tell the jury forthrightly, and the overwhelming majority of, of states, in my brief. Uh, goes down the line of them, that um, that if life means life, uh, that is usually part of the sentencing verdict itself, and the jury uh, is not left in the dark, and defendants are not exposed to the sort of unfairness that happened in this case. Uh, if I may, I should like to reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal.
0: Very well, Mr. Brock. Uh, Mr. Harputin, we'll hear from you.
8: Mr. Chief Justice, if it please the court, it seems to me that the linchpin... Mr. Brooke's argument and the fiction that we need to examine is that throughout his argument uh, to the lower court in his presentation here today, he equates the term ineligibility of parole with ineligibility of release. When the jury came back and asked when would he be eligible for parole, were they asking that limited, specific, technical term, or were they asking when will he be eligible to be released?
2: Why don't we assume that they were asking what they asked? They asked about eligibility for parole.
8: Well, Justice Souter, they may have asked about eligibility for parole. The requested instruction by Mr. Brock during trial was concluded with the term that he will remain in jail for the rest of his life. In South Carolina, while the governor does not have the power to pardon, the Pardon and Parole Board does. Well, there's maybe, no,
2: maybe, maybe Mr. Bruck's suggested instruction was was inaccurate in that respect. But do you take the position uh, that the jury should not be told uh, the meaning of a term about which it has a legitimate
8: question? I think the jury should be uh, told uh, the meaning of the term. Well, uh, do you
2: think there's a legitimate question possible in the minds of jurors, given what most people know or think they know about the penal system, as to whether or not the term "life." includes uh, a parole eligibility uh, factor or or whether it doesn't. Is that a legitimate question?
8: I think it is a legitimate question, and the response by uh, the South Carolina judge under the South Carolina case of Torrance is that you cannot consider parole.
2: Do not consider parole or parole eligibility. In other words, it's a legitimate question about the meaning of the terms, but the jury cannot be given a, a legal answer.
8: Well, I think that the jury was given the legal answer, which is it's something we should not consider. It is not something that you should consider as part of your sentence. But but
2: the, the consequence of that, it seems to me, based on what you've already said, is that the jury should not be informed about the meaning of a term that it's got to use. It's got to say life or death. The jury should not be informed about the legal meaning of that term when the jury has a question about it.
8: They were given the meaning of the term life. You, you, told... you
2: mean in the, in the last sentence of the judge's response, yes. plain and ordinary meaning? Yes, sir. But life... The problem with that is that that, that, that is a, uh, given the, the premise of the question, it is a totally ambiguous answer. If you use the, If it has the ordinary meaning in the mind, certainly, of some jurors, and I would have been one of those jurors myself... Uh, then it means, yes, life means subject to parole.
5: Uh,
2: If you give it a plain meaning which is not ordinary, then it would mean life does not include eligibility for parole. Uh, It seems to me that uh, if, if you got to answer the question, that wasn't much of an answer.
8: Well, the answer was life means life. The answer the, was... No,
2: that isn't what the answer was. The answer was, you give the terms, they're, they're plain and ordinary meaning.
8: Without considering... And if,
2: if you give it a plain meaning in, in a strict sense, it means life means life... If you give it a meaning in an ordinary sense to lots of jurors who think they, they who have heard about the parole system, then it would mean subject to parole. But, Whatever that answer was, it was not a plain answer.
8: But they have been told not to consider parole. But you're, you're then
2: simply, it seems to me, backtracking on, on your answer. You agree that they ought to know the meaning of the terms that they've got to use in sentencing. You don't dispute that.
8: No, sir, I don't. And,
2: and you are now saying, but they can't be told about that term.
8: I don't think that is a term that is necessary for them to know about in sentencing. It is a, it is a decision to be in made... In other words, when, a,
2: they, when they have to make a choice between the death penalty and life imprisonment, they don't need to know the meaning of life imprisonment?
8: Life imprisonment, for their purposes, was defined as life imprisonment. Well, life... we're getting
2: we're getting nowhere because the, the question is whether they are entitled to a clear definition responsive to their question.
8: And, and I submit that they... Uh, got a clear definition so of your your
2: answer then is that they were entitled to the answer they they are entitled to know the meaning of the terms they have to use but there's no problem here because the definition they got was adequate
8: they do not need to know the definition of the term parole to make that decision but they
2: do need to know the definition of the term life or life imprisonment
8: yes sir and the, okay and, and, they were and given you that. say
2: they you, you agree that they are entitled to that and you say they got
8: it Yes, sir. To go beyond, life means life, and that's exactly what they were told. We would have to discuss pardon. Well, I I
2: don't want to play with words, but that is not exactly what they were told. They were told that the terms the court had used were to be given their plain and ordinary meaning.
8: Yes, sir, because to go beyond that would open up, uh, in uh, the South Carolina court's opinion, a can of worms to... W- well,
3: what, what what you contend is that they were told that the sentence that they would impose would be a sentence of life in prison. Yes, sir. And you think they do not have to be told that there are other laws which we have in our state which would enable a person sentenced to life in prison, which is a sentence for life, to perhaps get parole, to perhaps get a pardon, to perhaps get work relief, all other different laws which have nothing to do with the meaning of the word life.
8: That is correct, Justice Scalia, and in this court, in, uh, in a number of cases, Penry versus Leneall, did not define the term, uh, the court did not define the term deliberately, and yet uh, this court found that was uh, sufficient.
2: Uh, but I, I take it then that uh, if, if we think, uh, or a majority of us think, that the definition was inadequate, that it just did not respond to the, to the jury's perplexity, that you would agree there would have to be a reversal here?
8: No, sir. I would not agree with
2: that. Then I don't understand what I thought was your answer to the question whether the jury was or was not entitled to be told the definition of the terms it was using, because if they're entitled to be told the definition, and the definition is not inadequate, I would suppose it would follow that there would be a reversal.
8: No, sir. My position is that, that, uh, first of all, I would not, obviously for purposes of your hypothetical, that uh, it it would fail. I don't concede it fails. It's difficult for me to get to the logical assumption that that it fails, for a number of reasons. But the, let's assume,
2: for the sake of the hypothetical, that it does fail. It would have to be a reversal, wouldn't it?
8: Well, I would, I would submit that the, uh, that the definitional term of life imprisonment, uh, if, you, if you have to define every term, if you have to no, parse
2: you're, you're, uh, with, with respect, I, I don't want to cut off your, your argument, but I want you to answer my question, and I think what you're doing is, is, is basically denying my premise. If we conclude that the definition was not adequate to inform them you do t- you agree that there would have to be a reversal
8: as to the second part of the charge? If that was inadequate, that life means life, you're to give it the plain and ordinary meaning. Yeah. I would yeah. not concede that because of the prior sentence, which uh, in which the judge uh, indicated, do not consider parole or parole. Well,
2: then, the then, it, then, then you are taking the position that the jury is not entitled to know the meaning of the terms which it must use in pronouncing the sentence.
8: I am of the because opinion because you are
2: saying, if I understand you, that they do have to use this term. But it is perfectly proper to deny them a definition of it. That's li- what South Carolina... I, I just said.
8: don't think parole is part of the definition of the term we li- no, I'm not
2: talking about parole. I'm talking about the meaning of life imprisonment.
8: No, what I'm saying They is
2: have to be given the definition of life imprisonment if they're going to use that as a sentencing alternative.
8: I think that they have to be given... They have to have a definition of life. I just don't think parole is part of that. And I think that the first sentence... Okay, so, so
2: we're, back, we're back to the question. If... If the, if the definition they were given by the court is inadequate, if we assume that, you don't. I recognize that. Right. I'm not asking you to concede it. But if you assume it for the sake of argument, then we get a reversal here.
8: If one of the two sentences is misunderstood, uh, uh, there's a reasonable likelihood of misunderstanding under Boyd. Yes, sir. Okay. If we have not met the Boyd uh, the Boyd versus California. It's, it's
6: legally irrelevant that there are, in fact, two different kinds of life sentences, life with parole and life without parole. That that's legally irrelevant. Irrelevant. That is correct.
5: Mr. Harputland, do most states that have a system of life without parole tell the juries that uh, it's life imprisonment without parole?
8: There are a variety. Different states have uh, different schemes, if you will, pursuant to this court's decision in Ramos. The states felt that they could develop different schemes. And uh, the It was my
5: understanding that most states that have adopted a life imprisonment without parole go ahead and advise juries if the jury is sentencing
8: Many life
5: imprisonment without parole.
8: Many do, but many have a specific verdict by the jury of How life many without parole. How states
5: would do as South Carolina and, and refuse to clarify this There are three. And they are...
8: Uh, Virginia, uh, South Carolina, uh, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania, I'm sorry. Pennsylvania instead of North Carolina? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I would uh, submit to the court that that to expand the Eighth Amendment, to include the custody status, if you will, of a a defendant or a, 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 a petitioner such as this, strains the use of the Eighth Amendment. Now, in Skipper, uh, this court ruled that future uh, adaptability to prison was relevant uh, to the sentencing authority's uh, decision. And to that end, we go back to uh, the court's prior cases, Lockett and Eddings and other cases, in which you talk about the character of the defendant, the characteristics of his crime and his prior record. Skipper specifically speaks to future adaptability as being a characteristic of the defendant. How can parole ineligibility... Or parole status fit within that uh, that uh, classification. I so should... suppose
4: in the case the prosecutor tells the jury to so sentence this man to death because if you if you don't, he can roam free someday and kill somebody. Suppose the prosecutor says that to the jury, what? is is the defense counsel entitled to say now you've heard the prosecutor's argument, but I want you to know that in this state uh, there's a life imprisonment without possibility. A pro, which would apply to this defendant.
8: That is not the circumstances in this case. However, if he did that, I think so. Well, that's my next point. Wasn't it, in effect,
4: argued here when when the prosecutor uh, said uh, whether or not the sentence of death for Simmons will deter anybody else, I submit to you the fact that it will deter him is plenty, and your verdict should be a response of society to someone who's a threat. Your verdict will be an act of self-defense. Don't avoid your responsibility. It's an act of self-defense.
8: No argument, no argument about release, about parole, about being back out on the street. And uh, I would challenge... uh, You don't
4: think jurors could fairly infer from that argument that he was a danger to society because he might be released?
8: Well, in this case, the petitioner's own psychologist testified he would be dangerous, number one. Number two, we have uh, the skipper adaptability... All, All
4: the more reason to tell the jury that he's going to be confined.
8: Well... The skipper adaptability evidence was introduced uh, by petitioner, and so my position is that uh, pursuant to the argument taken in context with the judge's charge and argument by, uh, by uh, defense counsel, uh, where the, on uh, joint appendix page 125, uh, petitioner was uh, argument uh, was that he's 22 years of age, a life sentence is punishment. The petitioner in his argument talked about life being life. The Jury, I submit, as the South Carolina Supreme Court found in their decision in this case, understood life to mean life. And so the argument has to be in the context of what the jury was told, not the hypothetical uh, that Your Honor uh, submits uh, for my... Uh, well, wasn't, wasn't the jury
2: also uh, uh, told in, in, uh, by the use of a phrase that described the prisoner as being among us I seem to recall that quotation somewhere in the briefs. Was, was that phrase used in describing him?
8: Yes, in, 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 the con- in, this, in this context. The argument was that the defenses provided testimony to you that he was abused as a child, uh, that he uh, underwent a number of difficulties as a child, that he suffers from uh, a, a, a series of stimuli, if you will, over his, his uh, young age that made him what he is today. The argument was that the question isn't how he got here. He's here. What do we do with him now that he is here amongst us in our midst? The question is, is the enormity of the crime, that is, his personal characteristics, his record, his personal characteristics, uh, enough, and and I submit it was, for him to be sentenced to the ultimate punishment of death?
2: Well, doesn't the description of him as being amongst us Uh, suggest a different answer to Justice Kennedy's question?
7: I mean, the
2: argument is irrelevant unless it is assumed that he will uh, at some point also continue to be amongst us.
8: Well, even if you were to assume that he was parole-eligible, as apparently the assumption here is, that uh, the jury assumed that, that doesn't mean he's going to be paroled. There's no conclusion that he is going to be out. Even if you assume that's a decision that will be made by someone... Again, the equation here is that, that not only that parole ineligibility means he won't be released, but parole eligibility means that he will. But, but I thought you had
4: conceded at the outset in your answer to my first question that if the prosecutor did make an argument about prevention of, of future crimes, that count defense counsel could respond to that—that
8: that he could—that if he argued future crimes. Against, against society in general yes i think so but that wasn't done so the if
4: so if we disagree with you in our interpretation of what the jury might fairly infer from the prosecutor's argument then we must reverse on that basis
8: no sir I, I, again i would not concede that reversal is necessary if you find that uh, that there was some talk about future dangerousness beyond the the, the, the penal institutions i would i would suggest that um, that again one you're talking implying that due process is somehow violated by uh, the implication, if you will, of future dangerousness. The judge's charge corrected any assumption that the jury would have had that he posed a future danger to them. I don't, th- th- told him to disregard any terms about parole or parole eligibility and to give the term life imprisonment. It's natural, it's a plain and ordinary meaning. So I would not concede that even had the prosecutor argued that he's some danger. But that was corrected by this uh, instruction, the primary instruction by the court, which was, to use terms, life imprisonment uh, and death by electrocution throughout his charge. And then when the jury came back and asked about the the possibility of parole, to clarify that by saying disregard it, just as if they had come back and asked about some other impermissible uh, area for their inquiry, the burden of proof, why the defendant didn't testify, uh, a number of other areas that this court has found that curative or Cautionary instructions are very proper. The state of South Carolina has decided that parole eligibility or ineligibility is not a proper concern for a jury. mister
6: wasn't that determination made under, in a much different context? I mean, wasn't the original reason for not telling the jury about parole eligibility was the fear that juries might be too harsh on defend acts, either to convict where they might have a reasonable doubt, or if they have anything to do with sentencing, to ratchet it up?
8: Well, in of course, uh, State versus Atkinson, which is the early, uh, the 70s case, uh, that was the rationale. But as we go from uh, State versus Atkins in 1987 through State versus Torrance in 1991, uh, I think uh, the Supreme Court has decided that, the, uh, that these extraneous factors that had nothing to do with the criteria laid out in Lockett uh, of the defendant. Now we're
6: switching to Lockett. This is a different issue. But the uh, initial reason for not telling the jury about parole was defendant protective, was it not?
8: That is correct, Your Honor, the initial, the initial reason. And, of course, uh, in Ramos, uh, which the uh, petitioner cited, the uh, Briggs instruction was in response to this, uh, the jury being told of his ineligibility for parole. We don't have, and the, our Supreme Court has decided, that they don't want to go through that process. And footnote 30 in Ramos and the rationale in Ramos is that this is a decision best left to the states. And that's what the state of South Carolina did. They relied on the logic and rationale of Ramos to exclude factors uh, which they thought would cause undue speculation with the jury. And May I ask
7: a, a question about the history of this statute? I'm, my recollection may be wrong because I read the briefs quite a long time ago, but uh, is it correct that the uh, law enforcement community in the state originally opposed life without possibility of parole because they thought juries would then be inclined to give that sentence rather than the death sentence. It might uh, reduce the number of death sentences. And the response that was made was, well, that won't happen if we can keep from the juries this new sentence.
8: Well, I think that's an oversimplification. There were some segments of the law enforcement community that indicated they did not want it, some segments of the law enforcement community that said they did. Um, and certainly there's no uh, uniform... Is it
7: correct that one of the arguments in response was made, well, we will adopt a rule that will preclude the juries from getting this information?
8: Um, I'm sure someone made that argument, but I don't, in, in my but that's opinion. What the,
7: that's what the state Supreme Court has, in effect, done.
8: What the state of, the state of South Carolina Supreme Court has done is asked uh, the jury not to consider any, not just parole, but any other extraneous well, I understand, but, but
7: With re- specific reference to this precise point, it is the law of the state that the jury may not be advised of this, uh, given this information. That and correct. the reason for it is that they would therefore be less likely to impose the death sentence. Isn't that
8: what the no, history sir. teaches us? No, sir. I think not. That
3: uh, that that history didn't come from uh, Supreme Court conferences. I assume it came from the legislature.
8: It came from newspaper articles.
3: From newspaper article. And was was this rule imposed by the legislature or is it one adopted by the court?
8: One adopted by the court. I, is there
3: any sentence uh, in in South Carolina that uh, would a jury ever be put nowadays to a choice between life with parole and the death penalty, or is is the only uh, is the only choice between uh,
8: Life with parole and the death penalty, uh, Justice Glee, yes. Uh, in most cases, uh, I would submit, especially in light of an amendment uh, which is cited in our brief uh, by the legislature, uh, amending this law to do away with the enhancement of any the use of a conviction prior to January 1, 1986, to enhance.
3: So, uh, if, if we believe in even-handedness and, and say that the jury must be advised when it is life without parole we would then say that the jury must be advised when it is life with parole, uh, and and that situation can arise.
8: In most cases, one would, in South Carolina right now, you would have to have a a conviction for a violent crime which carries a substantial sentence. Um, In most instances, do your time, get out, commit a subsequent crime, and that prior conviction would have had to have occurred, or or offense would have had to have occurred after January 1, uh, 1986. So, Um, it really narrows the amendment by the legislature last year, uh, limiting the pool, if you will, limiting the enhancement uh, aspect of that uh, has really narrowed the pool. So most defendants are going to fall into the parole-eligible category.
4: We have not advanced a theory in this court that the state would be mandated uh, to advise the jury that the defendant is eligible for parole. We've just said that it would be permitted.
8: That is correct. That is correct.
2: Um, Technically, I take it it was, it was error for the, uh, for the trial judge to include in his response to the juror's question that statement about giving the terms their, their uh, plain and ordinary meaning. Technically, that was a violation of the, Supreme, the state Supreme Court's position that you don't instruct on that
8: point. Well, the state Supreme Court in their decision noted that uh, he, used, uh, he used terms that had used in State versus Norris, but uh, they found that not to be error. They found that to be appropriate in this case.
2: So they I, I take it if they weren't retreating from their position they must assume that it didn't amount to a definition
8: you are an well I do not assume that no sir I don't assume that but a
2: definition would have been error I mean they to, to get into the to the issue that the juror was concerned with uh, would have been to get into issues which the state Supreme Court concludes they shouldn't be considering
8: this case stands for the proposition it was not error our Supreme Court has decided that was not error
2: No, I I realize that that, that it has in this case, but the general rule still is that you don't get into parole issues. So, Therefore, assuming the the state Supreme Court is is at least internally consistent on this point, it must have assumed that this particular definition did not not get into uh, an instruction on parole eligibility.
8: Well, I I would answer that by saying that uh, they had not previously put the two together. Um, They found it to be uh, constitutionally... uh Acceptable, uh, and the definition uh, certainly uh, assisted, should assist the jury in their, as they as they said in their opinion, it would tell the jury that life means life. That is the South Carolina Supreme Court's conclusion as to the result of this charge. So, considering the Eighth Amendment violation, and the the uh, petitioner would uh, ask you to expand that way beyond Skipper uh, to go to a definition that excludes that goes outside the. A definition uh, that's been previously used by this court and to, I would submit to you, to result in a situation which would only be part of the truth, only a small part of the truth. There are 12 statutorily authorized programs, if you will, that could result in a defendant in a non-parole uh, sentence, life sentence, to be back into the community. So if you are going to open that uh, can of worms, if you will, and our Supreme Court has said you shall not, you end up in a situation where, uh, and of course in Ramos, it's, it was found by this court to be constitutionally acceptable to do that, but not mandated. And as a result, the South Carolina Supreme Court has said, we, we shall not do that. I would note that this defendant, or any defendant, sentenced to a life without parole uh, sentence, and if you, on page 13 of the appendix, uh, Larry Batson from the Department of Corrections confirms that he'd be eligible for a pardon, work release perhaps extended work release, supervised furlough, provisional parole. Under the emergency powers over crowding, uh, a crowding release, he could be released at some point. Trustee
6: status. I, th- I uh, thought there were some uh, limitations that this, this particular defendant would not be eligible for furlough. Not
8: under state law he would be. There are currently regulations in the Department of Corrections that prohibit him from some programs. Pardon, for instance, he would be entitled to. And uh,
6: all this work release parole, he wouldn't be eligible for that?
8: Work release he would be eligible for.
6: Would be this defendant?
8: Uh, he is eligible under state law for work release. There are regulations within the Department of Corrections that indicate.
6: But taking law plus regulations together.
8: He would not be eligible for extended work release. But as I understand it, he would be eligible for work release. He would be eligible for supervised furlough to go home for a weekend. To uh, AL-3 custody, which, uh, as we note in our brief, would uh, after 10 years. Uh, He would be eligible for AL3 custody, which is minimum security custody, under the agreement signed by the Department of Corrections in our prison overcrowding lawsuit back in October. He could be under Section 24-3-210, unsupervised furloughs uh, at the direction of the commission of the South Carolina Department of Corrections for a weekend, for a holiday. And Mr. Batson confirms that uh, in his uh, testimony. Um, Use of convict labor on statehouse grounds. He could be working on the statehouse grounds. Now, If we are going, if the question is, when could he be released, then all these answers must be given, I submit. Our state Supreme Court following the direction given in in the realm You
6: can't can't say must, because as Justice O'Connor pointed out, most states that have life without parole do inform the jury of that, and as I understand it, they don't go on to suggest what might be if prison regulations were this way or that way.
8: Well, of course, so it rent-
6: It can't be a must.
8: Well, I, 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 I submit, uh, Justice Ginsburg, that the, the I agree with you. It should not be. It would not be a must. But the Supreme Court of the State of South Carolina has indicated that if we're going to consider one release mechanism, that it would open the door to the consideration of other release mechanisms.
3: Your point is that if it must be provided under coercion, under the coercion of some principle, that principle would require. ...that other things besides parole...
8: That is, that is correct, Justice Scalia. That is it's correct. a must in that sense. That o- is correct. Only, only if we're bound by some principle. If you're bound by some principle. And I guess that raises the question, what is the principle here? The principle the Petitioner would have you adopt is that the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment and the 8th Amendment requires juries to have a piece of the truth, not the whole truth. The,
7: whether or not uh, the... Uh, the how, how do we know that? Was there any attempt to give the whole truth, or request by you to get, have the whole truth given? Under state versus Torrance, we're not allowed... No, but so there, that isn't before us. I mean, the, your state has decided not to have the whole truth go forward.
8: That, that is correct.
7: So that if that regime were held to be invalid, then presumably they would have the opportunity in the next case to say we ought to have a fair instruction that tells them there are these some possibilities of work release that are not often invoked, but it is at least a possibility. I don't think your opponent is denying that.
8: But the state of South Carolina has decided that is
7: less fair. And the state of South Carolina has decided that a half-truth is better than a whole truth.
8: Well, but the half-truth that the petitioner would have is that he will, and if you, you look at the appendix... Uh, you will note that he speaks in terms of, of never being eligible, will spend the rest of his life in jail. That is the half-truth he wants. Those are the half-truths that we were confronted with. You and can't, As
7: Justice points out, perhaps the correct principle is that both sides should be
8: willing to have the whole truth come out. But that's
7: not your position.
8: That is, not my, that is not the state of South Carolina's position. I am a prosecutor. I perhaps have a different position than the, the state of South Carolina personally.
3: You, you think you'd do better, uh, maybe, with the whole truth coming out
8: in all the cases? I, I think that if I could uh, get in front of a jury and read this list of a dozen programs that would make him eligible for release, uh, that we would have no more life sentences in the state of South Carolina. And that is the principle that the state of South Carolina, uh, through its Supreme Court, has adopted.
3: And taking just parole alone... If I understood you correctly earlier, under recent statutory amendments in South Carolina, you think that there are more cases in which the alternative to death will be life with parole than in which it will be life without parole?
8: There's no question in my mind about that. No question. Many more. Many, many, many more. Uh, And I would would submit that uh, that the the result will be uh, that that, uh, in South Carolina, if we get into the release mechanisms, not just parole, but if we get into those release mechanisms, um, I, can, I can assure you as a prosecutor, having uh, appeared before juries many, many times uh, on these kinds of cases, that the jury then will discount the value of a life sentence. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Mr. Harpoodle. Uh, Mr. Bruck, you have six minutes remaining.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, I, I rise only uh, to clarify a couple of factual items. Um, Mr. Harputli, in no doubt, inadvert, inadvertently misdescribed the requested instruction made by the defendant. Uh, the request is at page, pages 21 and 22 of the joint appendix, and it is simply that the judge read the no-parole statute to the jury. Uh, as an alternative, when that was denied, we then requested, uh, as very much second or third best, Uh, a more vague instruction about that he actually will be sentenced to to serve life in the state penitentiary. But that was not the request we made, and that is not the request uh, upon which this case
2: turns. Let's assume you'd you'd gotten what you asked for, at least to the extent that you asked for it. Uh, Would you take the bitter with the sweet and and, uh, concede that it would be appropriate to read some more instructions to the jury or some more um, uh, 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 statements of law to the jury? Uh, going into question of uh, the possibilities of furlough and work release and so on?
1: Providing those are accurate, I think under the Eighth Amendment, for purposes of this morning, yes, I don't think the South Carolina Supreme Court will, will um, necessarily um, allow these, uh, the, what are in fact very speculative and remote possibilities of the record uh, as opposed
3: to the list that Mr. Haputlian well, just parole wrote. may be very speculative too, for someone committed uh, who who's committed a horrible crime and sentenced to life imprisonment That's absolutely very, very speculative
1: yes uh, and and of course, in this case it is uh, uh, not only the, the the chance of his being released on parole is not merely highly speculative but legally non-existent. Uh, the record actually shows that that no Uh, life without parole inmate had ever been granted a furlough, and it goes on and on. Uh, Under the regulations, they are not eligible for work release. This uh, long laundry list of 12 possibilities, if you look closely at the record, uh, is actually vanishingly small. And yes, we are willing to to take the bitter uh, with the sweet uh, as a matter of of 8th Amendment law. Uh, Justice O'Connor inquired about the list of states. I would simply uh, direct the Court's attention to pages 39 to 41 of our brief. That's footnotes 23 to 27, which gives in some detail exactly what all of the Life Without Parole states uh, have to say on this issue. Finally, I would just note the the history of this issue in South Carolina has been somewhat torturous. We describe it in our brief Uh, shortly after Life Without Parole became an option for recidivist cases, um, the State Supreme Court said that on the request of a defendant, restrictions on parole should be charged, and that was the law until a month before this trial. Uh, this is the first case to be tried under the new regime of State versus Torrance, which overruled uh, that majority practice and said that from now on the jury should be left in the dark, and therefore I think it is uh, at least fortuitous that this practice is a novel one and can and should we submit be nipped in the bud. If there are no further questions, that's all we have.
0: Thank you, Mr. Bruck. The case is submitted.